Welcome back everyone. Today's video we're going to be looking at Zoom, a stock most of you have heard of. It's a very popular retail stock and it's now the top holding, the very top holding taking up 10.10% of the ARK Innovation Fund. So Kathy Wood and her team, they really like Zoom. They like it more than Tesla, more than Roku, more than CRISPR and all these other companies, even though all these ones have sold off as well. So all these companies have taken a hit, but Kathy Wood and her team have put special emphasis on this company. And Zoom has taken an enormous hit. The company right now is down 39% year to date. But then if we zoom out to the past five years, it was trading at 568 at one point. And now it's down to just around $100 a share. In fact, Zoom right now is trading around the same price it was pre-COVID. So Zoom is a SaaS company, a tech company. It's come down in price a lot. It does generate some free cash flow. It actually has decent fundamentals. We'll be looking at that in a minute. So I'm actually interested in this company. And Kathy Wood just recently said this. So in our models, and we're starting to publish our models because we really want people to understand this. We just published Zoom. We published uh, Tesla. You can find them on GitHub. She just said that we want people to understand our models. She's published them. She's put them on GitHub. She's actually released their discounted cash flow, their assumptions, and their models to the world so other people can understand them. That's what we're going to be looking at in today's episode. I actually downloaded Kathy Wood's model. I'm going to go over it with you, and we're going to look at it together and see the assumptions she's making and why she has such a bullish view on this company. And we're also going to be comparing her model against my very rudimentary, simple model of Zoom. So we'll see how the two stack up and we can kind of cross compare them there. Now, before we jump into Kathy Wood's Zoom analysis, I wanna do a quick portfolio update. This is the story fund. I share the portfolio every single week with complete transparency. And I do this the same with another channel I have on YouTube just called Joseph Carlson. There's a link in the description. On this channel, I track this growth portfolio that's mostly tech growth companies. I'm focusing on companies that I think can grow their free cash flow per share at a very high rate. So that's the key characteristic I'm looking at. On my other channel, I look for dividend growth companies. So lower valuation, uh, less risky companies that kind of grow their dividend over time. And then I reinvest that back into the portfolio. And between the two strategies right now, the dividend growth portfolio strategy is holding up a lot better. For example, on this one, I'm down 29.9%. That's my performance since starting this portfolio in 2021. Not great. It's not optimal. I started the portfolio at a poor time. I put in a lot of money last year, which was, was poor timing on my part as well. But the nice thing is I do have time on my side. I can wait it out. And a lot of the companies that I bought, I don't think I bought them necessarily overvalued. I think the market's just been sold off. And these basket of tech companies, I think a lot of the I think a lot of good companies have just been sold down with general pessimism towards tech. Amazon is down 28% since my buy-in price. I think eventually it will get back up to that. Google's down 5.8%. You know, that's not too big of a change. I think Microsoft is heavily undervalued. Netflix is the only company that I think in my portfolio, the actual fundamentals have deteriorated a bit. The company's fundamentals have been hurt. So that one's come down in price. I don't know if I'll get back up to the same price on this one. But the rest of these companies, I do think they will go back to the price that they're trading at earlier last year. It'll just take some time. Now, right now, I track the portfolio. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I also share the performance of it compared against the S&P 500. This is what it looks like updated just a few minutes ago. So the S&P 500 is in red and my portfolio, the story fund is in blue. And you can see right now it's down 28.2%. We've had some spikes upwards where I think, okay, maybe the market's making a recovery. And then of course, it's one of those uh, bear rallies where we rally just for a minute during a bear market and then it continues on its downward trend, which is a little bit of a grind. It can be a little bit of a grind to continually invest in companies, do your due diligence, and then just see the market sell them off more and more every single week. But I do have time on my side. I said that I'd track this at least until the end of 2025. So we have around three years, three and a half years, and that's some time for these companies to recover. So over the course of the next three years, I'm going to be giving weekly portfolio updates tracking every single thing I do, every single buy I do, how my portfolio performs against the S&P 500, and we'll see if I come out the victor or if the S&P 500 defeats me like it does so many other people. We'll be able to see that live. But right now, I haven't made too many changes to the portfolio. It's basically the same. I plan on doing a more in-depth run-through of all my holdings and kind of updates on them in the next video. But for this one, I want to focus on one company that's not in my portfolio, which is Zoom. Kathy Wood just recently went on to CNBC to discuss Roku and Zoom and these different holdings. And she was defensive of them. She says that they're going to have very high returns over the next five years. And she's proven people wrong before. So let's listen to what she says here. This is her, her basic argument and the way that she's looking at assessing these companies. Uh, and so our return expectation, which is quite substantial right now, uh, is based uh, solely on revenue growth and rising profitability. Now, So she says that her return expectation is based off revenue growth and rising profitability. It's not based on multiple expansion. So Kathy doesn't think that her companies are going to get another big bid where they go up to high multiples. She just thinks they're going to grow a lot and they're going to become more valuable because they'll grow not only in revenue, but also in margins and profitability. She goes on to explain that this sell-off of them all going back down to their pre-COVID levels, well, she doesn't agree with it. The narrative you just um, uh, you just gave, uh, many people cite when they're talking about uh, the tech and te telecom bubble and bust. And we've analyzed our portfolio relative to that as well, because there are memes around that. It's, it's astonishing to us that Zoom's revenue pre since the, uh, the coronavirus is up roughly sixfold, and the stock is almost down to where it was pre-COVID. That's right. Zoom's revenue is up sixfold, and uh, the stock is trading a little bit above where it was pre-COVID. That is pretty incredible. Like, it, you know, it, you would not have thought that, I think, in 2019. I really don't think people would have. Same right. with Teladoc, up fourfold. Uh, Tesla, up threefold, although Tesla has, now that it's in the indexes, it has held up better than the rest of our portfolios. But that narrative okay. in 2000, if I could just say, it would suggest that by now we would be seeing negative revenue growth, 
uh, in, in our expectations for the next year and declining gross margins. We are seeing the opposite. We're seeing north of 25% revenue growth. If you're just using consensus estimates, it's 25. And our estimates are much higher because we're focused on exponential growth trajectories uh, being driven by powerful new technologies. She says that, you know, revenue estimates are like 20 plus percent. Hers are way higher. And we're going to look at it. We're going to look at her model. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and jump into mine, how I would do analysis on this company. The tool we're going to be using is Qualtrum Insights. This website here is something I developed as part of the Patreon membership. So if you join the Patreon, you get access to this. But it gives you all the fundamentals and valuations of the company. Right now, Zoom trades at a market cap of 32 billion. So this is still a really big company. The PE ratio is very elevated over SPY's average right now. The S&P 500 average PE ratio is around 17. So having a PE ratio of 32 is very elevated. The way that I look at this is you can look at the PE ratio of a company that's profitable, one that's not pre-profits, right? And you can compare it against the S&P 500 and try to get a rough gauge of, am I willing to pay this much more for this company. Because if you're paying more than a 17 PE ratio, you're paying more for the future next 12 months of earnings than you could just buying the S&P 500. And it's kind of up to your judgment to decide how much more you're willing to pay for this company. Is it really worth paying almost double the price of the S&P 500? So 17 times two, what, 30, 34, something like that, right? We have a PE ratio of 32. So it's nearly double the S&P 500. And that's a lot. You're paying double the earnings for Zoom that you are for SPY. And the assumption that you have to be making right off the bat when you do this is this company is going to really grow at a faster rate. The margins are going to improve. The free cash flow is going to accelerate at over double the rate of the S&P 500 for a long period of time to be able to make up for this elevated PE ratio. This is what I do anytime I'm looking at any company. I can look at Apple here. Apple trades at a 21, 21.4. So SPY is at a 17, you're paying what, a 20% premium, you know, from 17 to 21. You're paying a slight premium over SPY, but you can make the judgment. Is Apple worth paying a slight premium over the S&P 500? Is Microsoft? Microsoft right now trades at a 24. In my opinion, I think it's worth it. I think Microsoft is worth paying a slight premium over the S&P 500 because if we go into a recession, I think that the S&P 500's earnings will drop in aggregate a lot more than Microsoft's. So you can start making these judgment calls of, of if you think a company is worth paying more based off the growth or the resilience of earnings in, in difficult times. If we go back to Zoom here, again, right now it's trading on a 32 PE ratio. Uh, it's a newer company, so typically they do have elevated PE ratios, but we can still make that judgment call. The price to sales is a 77 that's that's on a decent long-term average. So software SaaS companies like Zoom typically trade between 7 to 11, kind of their long-term average. This is probably a little bit below it. They got as high as 17 during the huge pop or during the huge uh, you know expansion of multiples in 2021. That's when Zoom was like a $100 billion company. So obviously it's come down a lot. The valuation is much safer now at a 7.7 price to sales, but the price to sales is simply a revenue multiple. So we take the last 12 months of revenue, $4.1 billion last year. We multiply that by 7.74 times. Then we get the market cap of the company. In my opinion, price to sales is a dangerous way to price companies because ultimately the long term of a company, 
you're buying cash flows, you're buying profitability, you're not buying revenue. And price to sales can fluctuate from companies like Walmart that have a two or Microsoft that have a 10. And it's all based on profitability. Microsoft has much higher margins than Walmart. That's why the discrepancy in price to sales. So even though this can give you a rough gauge based on the sector, I would go more on the actual earnings of the company, the EV to EBITDA, than the price to sales. And right now, the enterprise value to EBITDA is still pretty expensive for Zoom. So it does have some high expectations built into this company. We know that it's in a sell-off. It's in a dip. Um, We can look at their revenue growth here. This is on a quarterly basis. So if we look at the revenue quarter by quarter, the big story here is that, of course, there is the big explosion in revenue during COVID. But anyone that looked at this knew that it was temporary. And even though it seemed like it it could be forever, right? When you're in the moment, when you're in 2020 and you're seeing all the lockdowns, you're thinking, man, this can last longer than we expect. But in reality, most things revert back to the mean. Society really is going right back to normal. Lots of people thought that we'd be wearing masks forever. We'd be you know, in lockdown. We'd never return to work. And all those things are starting to slowly come to an end. You can see that Zoom's quarterly revenue exploded during the pandemic. And now it's starting to decelerate to a huge extent. It only has grown slightly over the past three quarters. I give Zoom credit for even growing their revenue. Because a lot of the stuff that A lot of the people using Zoom during the pandemic are no longer using it. There was yoga classes that since they couldn't meet in person, you were doing yoga over Zoom at home, right? There's lots of different instances that were very unique to that point in time. Now all that's gone. So Zoom has to compete now kind of in a more normalized world. But the thing that I see here again is decelerating revenue growth. Now, I don't know where Kathy Wood gets her analyst estimates, but at least on Seeking Alpha and other websites... I don't see any analyst estimates of 20% plus expected growth. I see a consensus from 27 analysts of 10.8% revenue growth, 13.25, 10.79, 16.92. This is not incredibly fast revenue growth. 10, 12, 13% up to 16% is not quick. And the reason why these analysts, I'm assuming they're making this slower revenue growth assumptions right now is again because the deceleration of revenue. Zoom has slowed down its revenue growth substantially since the pandemic, and you can clearly see that illustrated. On a year-over-year basis, it still looks quite fast, but when you actually look at it on a quarterly basis, you see more of the picture here. Now, if we look at the other metrics here, the EBITDA is growing over time. The past two quarters have been lower, though. The free cash flow actually looks decent on this company. I have to give it credit. Zoom is a free cash flow company. In fact, they have been since 2020. It is actually growing too. They got $500 million in free cash flow. That's that's decent for a company that's $30 billion that's like Zoom, a SaaS company growing. $500 million in free cash flow is decent. Now, the big question that gets asked is if this free cash flow is just from shares outstanding going up, them diluting the shareholder. A tiny bit of it, but not much. I wouldn't credit this free cash flow growth to share dilution. They are diluting shareholders slightly, but this is barely anything over the last quarter. And they still posted $500 million in free cash flow. So I have to give credit to Zoom here. They are growing their free cash flow without growing their shares outstanding. And that's partly because they have a very good balance sheet. They have $5.73 billion in cash and only $0.08 billion in debt. So 
probably no debt other than a couple like capital leases or something, some very small obligations. And then they have $5.7 billion in cash sitting on the balance sheet. So this company really can grow their free cash flow. They don't have to issue more shares. They want to do stock-based compensation. They could just level out the share count by buying it back in cash. That's something they could actually do. The net income is growing over time. Last quarter it was down. I don't know if that's an expected thing from them, but it looks pretty good over a longer time period. Then the earnings of the company, again, they're, they're growing over time. It looks very similar to the net income. The expenses of the company are concerning, and this is a concern for any of these companies. If we look at this breakdown, right? They have CapEx spend of $25 million, so that's not a big expense. They're really not big into the CapEx. But then we have sales and marketing, which is the big killer for these SaaS companies. Even Zoom, even a social one that everybody knows about, they still have a huge sales and marketing spend. $362 million in sales and marketing last quarter. And they made a billion dollars last quarter in revenue. So around one third of it goes to sales and marketing. That's not terrible, but not the best. Then we have general and administrative. That's another $100 million. So that's about 10% of the revenue going to general and administrative. But I like to see that this isn't growing. It's been pretty flat. It's not growing as much as sales and marketing. Then the research and development, which is growing a lot. And I think this is a decent way to spend money as a tech company. You have to do research and development. You have to keep up with Microsoft and your other big competitors. This makes up $144 million, so maybe 14 15% of their their total revenue. In combination, they're spending around half their revenue on expenses, which leads the other half to go to free cash flow, 500 million. This is good. This actually doesn't look too bad. So we might have the gut reaction when we hear about a Kathy Wood top pick to just avoid it because Kathy Wood is picking it. Her picks have done really poor over the past year. But Zoom doesn't look fundamentally that bad. They have a lot of cash. They have no debt. They're not really doing a lot of dilution and it looks like they don't need to. They're growing their free cash flow. It's 500 million a quarter. That's a decent amount of free cash flow. And their expenses are pretty well reined in. In terms of SaaS companies, they're spending far less on sales and marketing, research and development, general and administrative than other tech companies. And their earnings are growing over time. Last quarter it was down, but that, you know, I haven't looked into why it was down that quarter. Overall, I don't mind these fundamentals. They look pretty decent. The big question here is the valuation of the company. It's come down a lot. That is true. The stock has come down a lot, but it doesn't mean that it's good value. Just because a stock goes down from $500 to $100 doesn't mean that it's instantly good value. In fact, a lot of people use that flawed logic to think that, well, Zoom came down from $568 down to $297. So I'm buying the dip. This is a sell-off. No, you still have to do valuation work because it went down another 50%. And then it went down another 50%, right? The stock has been cut in half multiple times. So buying the dip is something that you want to do as long as it's backed up with decent valuation work on the stock. You want to make sure that now you're entering the position with a margin of safety. Now, with that said, I put together a little cash flow projection, a little analysis on Zoom of my own. And I did this without looking at Kathy Wood. So I wanted to do this beforehand so that I wasn't biased by looking at her analysis on the company. And this is what I came up with. Now, I realize this is pretty rudimentary. It's just a basic cash flow analysis. I look at revenue growth. I look at percentage of EBITDA to revenue, which is kind of my assumptions on their long-term margins of the company. We also have to include working capital and CapEx, which I have right here, and then taxes. And I just do a baseline tax assumption of 14%. So it's pretty simple across the board. I, I plug in Zoom here. 
That brings in the current price. And then I'm assuming, which I think is generous, a 20% revenue growth over the next 10 years. 20% annualized for 10 years, I think is very generous. That's the likes of Google, right? Companies that grow very quickly for a long period of time. And if we again look at the analyst forecasts here, they're not being so generous. The analysts are looking at this and saying 10%, 16%. They only have one year out in 31, 2031, that's above 20%. So again, I don't know where Kathy Wood is getting this idea that analysts are saying it's going to grow 20% plus. That's not what I'm seeing. I see analysis that they're growing mid double digits, right? Mid uh, teens. So we have 16, 13, 14, 14. So my analysis saying that this is going to grow by 20%, I think is generous. I think you'd have to have a more generous view of, of Zoom than the analysts in aggregate. Then I have the EBITDA margins, which I also think are generous, which is 35%, meaning around the revenue they make, around 35% of that will be EBITDA long-term over the next 10 years. Uh, this is historically speaking at 27%. So I'm going to see this expand over time to 35%. And that's the average over the next 10 years. So I'd say that it would probably slowly expand to 35% and then even go above that over time. But again, this is a generous assumption. I'm trying to make kind of the bull case here for Zoom. This certainly would not be my bear case. Then we have CapEx spend here, which I do think will be very low. 1%, right? Just a very low amount of CapEx. They don't spend a lot of money on CapEx. And then what I'm saying is at the end of 10 years, the free cash flow that the company will generate, I'll put a multiple on it of 20, which again, I think is okay. It's generous. Uh, you could put 15. That would lower the estimates. This is basically, what do you think that cash flow is going to be worth? What will people pay for this company based on the resilience in the moat? If Zoom really does grow this much over the next 10 years, I think that investors will pay at least a 20 price to free cash flow for it. This is what this analysis brings out. So if you bought the company right now, based on my assumptions, you get 11% annualized return on today's price. Then if it went down to $94 a share, you get a 12.9% return. Not terrible, but not amazing. I don't see anything incredible about future returns of this company. When I do analysis that's similar, and I even give more conservative assumptions to different companies, I get better returns. So Obviously, I don't see what Kathy Wood's talking about here, and that's what I'm going to look and see where her assumptions differ from mine. Now, let's go ahead and jump into Kathy Wood's assumptions on the subject. Now, before we move into this, I know I have to do a quick shout out for today's sponsor. It's FTX US. If you haven't signed up for this, I don't know what you're waiting for. They're moving into every different platform. I'm skeptical of cryptocurrencies. I said that many times. I don't like buying any type of asset, whether it's cryptocurrency or fine art or gold. You'll notice that none of those have ever made it into my portfolio. I haven't bought any art. I haven't bought any gold. Uh, I don't buy things that don't produce cash flow, generally speaking. At least I haven't been persuaded to yet. Now, I have bought a lot of stocks and cash flow producing stocks. And FTX wants people to know that they're moving into that category. They are making aggressive development on this front. And they have a whole stocks tab here. This is in beta right now, but they're opening it up to more and more testers. And it works pretty good. You can see that they're making improvements on the UI. It has a very clean interface. I can go in right now and Amazon's trading at 107 right now. I can go in and buy two shares. Let's say I have that in cash. I've been trying to increase my share count of Amazon. I can hit buy Amazon, confirm trade, and it's done. Boom. I own more Amazon now. I'm going to try to get this to 100 shares because they say eventually they're going to be doing 
options and I can sell covered calls and fun things like that. Things that I've never done before. So I am testing this out. It has worked perfectly so far. If you haven't signed up for this brokerage already, do so. There's a link in the description below. Type in the code Carlson, my last name. That's the refer code. And that will make it so you get credited instantly a $10 credit when you make your first $100 trade. So your first $100 trade, you'll get an instant 10% return. So use that code, sign up now, let me know what you think. So far, the feedback has been positive. All right, now let's go back to Kathy Wood's spreadsheet here. This is ARK Invest research on the topic, and it's just mind-boggling. These assumptions, I really want to highlight them because I think they're incredible. Total revenue, okay? Total revenue in 2022, they're assuming $4.1 billion. That's what that's what Zoom's doing right now. And they have the 2027 line item here, which they think that in 2027, Zoom will do $51.8 billion in revenue, a revenue compound annual growth rate of 66%, 66% per year for the next five years, for the next six years. We look at my assumptions here. They were just slightly different. I think that in 2027, Zoom will do $7.9 billion, so roughly $8 billion. They'll double their revenue from now until 2027, and that's still a fast growth rate of 20%. So I'm not saying that Zoom's done growing. I'm saying they're going to double their revenue from 2022 to 2027. That's pretty good. So Kathy Wood's assumption that it will go from $4.1 billion to $51.8, this 12 times, 13 times the revenue in a couple years, is so aggressive. I don't understand... You know, I have to see her research and we'll look at it. But last quarter, they grew revenue by 12%. I know that it had tough comps, right? They had 2020, the outlier year. So revenue should accelerate, reaccelerate to some degree. But she's expecting reacceleration from 12% to 66%. These are extremely, extremely aggressive assumptions. We can go further down on this. And she tries to explain, I think, how this will work. So they have some notations here. They say, the total addressable market drivers, global knowledge workers with a hybrid remote working model, X mainland China. They think that this will compound at 11%. Okay, maybe so. Maybe the total addressable market will grow. I'll give them that. But they say the percent of knowledge workers, X mainland China, uh, will go up 51% and 75%. Yeah, so that's a, you know, a big increase of people that are using the internet to work. And I'll, I'll give them that. I'll agree with those assumptions. Now, moving down, she has what's called Zoom adoption drivers, okay? We have the Zoom share of total video conferencing traffic, total unique users on Zoom. And she thinks that the amount of unique users on Zoom will compound at 7%, from 212 now to 291 million. So, okay, another assumption that I think is not unreasonable, the average revenue per user. So how much the average users paying for Zoom is right now $113. She thinks it's going to go to 356. 26% Kager on the average revenue per user. Are you going to pay 356 a year for Zoom? That's 30 bucks a month. You're going to pay 30 bucks a month for Zoom. Do you know a lot of people willing to dish out $30 a month for Zoom? People had a big fit when Netflix announces a $1 price hike. And they're at like $12 for some of their plans. So Zoom going to $30 per month, uh, I think is very aggressive. Right now at $113 for average revenue per user, 
Maybe they'll have corporate plans that pay for it, but this is again a very aggressive assumption. Zoom has a lot of competition. They have Microsoft Teams, they have Salesforce and Slack. They have other companies that can do video conferencing. If you're gonna charge $30 per month per user on average, that means that your pricing is pretty high. And I think a lot of companies would try to undercut that pricing. So in my opinion, I think that it's crazy. She's assuming this will triple over the next uh, five years. I don't see that happening. So in summary, she has a total revenues compounding at 66%, extremely unlikely in my opinion. Not impossible, it could happen, but just very unlikely. I would not make that my base case or my assumption with any analysis. The adjusted uh, gross profit compounding at 74%, again, very aggressive, very unlikely. Adjusted EBITDA compounding at 71%. And then the unlevered free cash flow at 103%. She thinks that Zoom will grow their free cash flow at 103% per year from 2022 to 2027, doubling every year unlevered, meaning they're not just doing share dilution. So that is free cash flow growth of 100%. If this assumption turned out true, Zoom would obviously be an incredible buy right now. It'd be one of the best companies to have in your portfolio. Kathy Wood would be right. She'd make a lot of money on Zoom, even with it trading down in price, because everybody would want to own a stock that's doubling its free cash flow unlevered every single year. She believes that in 2027, Zoom will have $13.8 billion in free cash flow. So that's quite a bit. Again, if we look at my assumptions, in 2027, I think that Zoom will have around $2.3 billion of free cash flow. So much more conservative than what Kathy Wood's uh, saying here. 2.3 compared to 13.8. And then she gets to a share price of 1,483, which is a share price Kager, so a return Kager of 75%. That is uh, 14 times, roughly speaking, the amount that you would invest right now. So you buy your share for $108 today, it'll be worth 1,483 in 2027, so in five short years. That would be quite the return, getting 14, 15 times your money in five years. So what do I think of this overall? I think that Zoom is a good company. If I look at Zoom, I look at the fundamentals, it's a good company. It has real free cash flows. It's not diluting to a huge extent. It has cash on hand. It has pretty decent control over its expenses and it is growing. But I also think that Kathy Wood's assumptions on Zoom are frankly dangerous. I consider them to be actually dangerous to retail investors. I think they should have like a doctor's warning on them. This is bad for your financial health if you listen to this. And I've actually given multiple warnings about Kathy Wood to investors to be very cautious when you're following her because She's not only seen dramatic losses, and I mean not a portfolio going down 20-30% from its highs, a portfolio going down 70%. That is a dramatic, catastrophic loss that's very difficult to make up. And Kathy Wood's in a situation right now where she simply can't give reasonable, moderate assumptions about her companies. She can't do it because they've come down so much in price that if she gave reasonable assumptions that they'll grow at 10-20%, their earnings will grow at 15%, It would take five years just to get back to where they are, where they were just a year ago. And in some cases, they would never get back to where they are. So she can't give moderate assumptions. She can't give reasonable assumptions. She has to come up with these models that are hyper-aggressive, showing that she'll make even more money than what they lost in 2021 to now. And Zoom's going to be worth $1,500 a share in 2027. And again, I think this is actually dangerous for some people to listen to if they don't know better. She's telling everyone that there's this big pot of gold at the end of this five-year rainbow, that companies like Zoom will be worth 15 times more. And she's so confident of it 
that even her bear case has Zoom being worth more than it is now. When the bear case for any company should be that it gets disrupted by competition and it goes down in value. That is a reasonable bear case. But her bear cases are so optimistic that they would be more optimistic than most people's bull cases. And her bull cases are just, they're unbelievable that these companies will compound at rates that you've never seen before. Another thing to keep in mind is ARK Invest's incentive structure here. The way that they get paid is not based on performance. They get paid their 0.75% asset center management fee, their fees that they charge for their ETFs. They get paid that money whether or not Zoom does well or doesn't do well. In five years, you'll find out. But either way, Kathy Wood is getting paid millions and millions of dollars for managing these funds. So at the end of the day, the thing that matters for ARK Invest is keeping the story alive, keeping the narrative alive, keeping people as believers in her funds. Because if they're believers, they'll give her their money. She'll charge her 0.75% fee, regardless of whether or not the funds do well or not. And that's not the same for every money manager. They don't all do it the same way that Kathy Wood is. In fact, many hedge funds now, they have a structure where they compare themselves to a benchmark, like the S&P 500. And they tell their clients, if we outperform this benchmark, we will take 20% of the outperformance. So if we outperform, we'll take 20% of that aggregate outperformance. If we underperform the benchmark, you don't pay anything. So we don't take a fee if we're not doing our job of outperforming the benchmark. Kathy Wood doesn't do that. First of all, she's benchmark agnostic, so she doesn't officially compare herself to any benchmark like the S&P 500 or the QQQ, but she also doesn't just charge these fees if she's outperforming. She charges them even if she's underperforming. She's been raking in fees over the past year, even though her funds have been disastrous. So keep that in mind. She's constantly going to be selling stories, selling these these grand stories of Zoom going up 15 times, and there's very little evidence to it. The analysts on the subject don't see that happening. And unless her extremely divergent view from the norm proves to be correct, you're not going to make money in her fund, but she'll continue making money with her fees. So that's my thoughts overall. I was interested in looking at Zoom. I do think it's a good company. If you're invested in Zoom, I'm not saying it's a bad investment. I'm just saying don't think it's going to go up 15 times in value. I think that's extremely aggressive and in my opinion, extremely unlikely. Now, that's all for now. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next.